Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. I'm not coming back next year to be able to play them again, but I don't know what their deal is. They kind of come off as bad guys when they do things like that. I don't know if they do that to everybody, but it's just kind of like, you know, it's kind of douchey, you know? Is that, like, okay to say? On... Mm-hmm. We can cut on TV. You can. I mean, don't cut that. Let's be honest. <laughs> there, it makes you look like, you know, like, you know, you're trying to be tough because everyone thinks that, you know, because you live in Westwood and you wear baby blue that you're not tough. And it makes you look less tough because you're trying too hard. <clears throat> it's just weird, you know? You don't have to do that. Michael Preston. I just... (laughs) I want to know why Gabe Marks ever has to leave. Is there any rule? Is is it an eligibility? Does that start over if you go to graduate school? I mean, I don't think so, but I just... I just... I want to do whatever I can to keep him here if for nothing else other than his press conferences. Other than... The time he spends talking to the press. <laughs> For absolutely nothing else other than that. Because that was superb. And our thanks to SWX and Lindsey Joy uh, for allowing us to use that. We asked. We asked very nicely. And she was nice enough to say, yes, we could use it. Um, <laughs> it's just like... Um, and you know what? He's right. He's completely right. He's, he's just going to be honest. And he's totally right. Because what is the purpose of... And the context of that is, is that UCLA was warming up on WSU's side of the field before the game yesterday. So, you know, they, the field's divided in half for the teams to warm up on. And they were warming up on WSU's half of the field. What what is the purpose of doing that other than trying to make yourself look tough? Tough teams don't have to do that. Tough teams coaches display their displeasure with their team's toughness in different ways other than making them warm up on the other side of the field to try and make them seem tougher. <laughs> Just, here's the best part about it was. On Tuesday... On the Pac-12 Coaches Conference call, Jim Moore called Marx's comments misinformed. Uh, I, I'm, he didn't say they were wrong. He said they were misinformed. So I, I don't... What word would you use, Jim? What word would you use to describe what you guys did? What word would you use to describe that? It, it, it just made the fact that Washington State did not play a good football game offensively. They had about 350 total yards of offense. Roughly. There's about, they're bounced. 356, actually. So I was right. 356 yards of offense, and they still beat UCLA. Jeff said this on Monday. I had the same thought on Sunday, and again after rewatching it uh, today, I think you did watch it that closely while we were in Vegas this weekend. Uh, but 
I the same thought today. That was not a good football game offensively. Defense played pretty well again. Special teams played great. Thank you. Based Eric Powell. Yes, sir. Finally split the uprights on a couple of them. And it's all a, it's a lot of head game with kickers, man. And finally broke the dam on that. So hopefully the seal is broken on Eric Powell returning to being Eric Powell again. So good for him, man. I, I'm really happy for him. But they did not... As a as a team, that was not a good football game. And again, like Jeff said, I think you get to the point now, maybe, where this is a football team. Because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? Or even a little bit last week. Where WSU is just not really going to be in a position where they can do that consistently. Where they can not play a good football game and win. Now, UCLA is not as good as they were last year, obviously. And again, you got... Brad Fawful, or however you say it, I can't say his name, because Josh Rosen was hurt, and that's fine. That's fine. You go two straight weeks against not teams with not great quarterbacks, but you still need to win those football games. It's still important to win those football games, and you're going to get another team in ASU. We'll talk to Brad Denny from the Speak of the Devils podcast uh, here in a bit. You're going to get another team in ASU that may be without their starting quarterback this week. So, But it's still important to win these football games. It's still important to win the games that, A, you, you have more talent, and if you, you can't play well, you still need to win. It's important to be able to do that because you can't always have to be playing at a high level, at a really high level, and playing very mistake-free football to win games. They did that against Oregon. They did that against Stanford. And you, you, you see now what this team can do when they do play largely mistake-free football, when they play mistake-free football, they can beat Oregon by 18, even though it wasn't that close. And they can beat Stanford by 26, even though it wasn't that close. But when they play with a lot of mistakes, in the driving rain, in the wind, in bad weather conditions, late at night, they can still beat UCLA. Now, again, I will grant you, no Josh Rosen out there, but it's hard to play the, well, if he was there, X would have happened in college football. It's just, it's hard to do that. You just don't, this is not the NFL where that stuff is largely kind of predictable, maybe. This is college football. You have no earthly clue what would have happened if Josh Rosen had been able to play. But it's still important to go out there and win a football game like that. It's still important to go out there and win a football game where Luke Falk's line looks like this. 28 complete passes on 48 attempts, 261 yards, and an interception. No passing touchdowns. None. He averaged 5.4 yards an attempt. Per attempt. That is awful. That is a really bad number. In in any offense, that's bad. In the air raid, it's really bad. Luke Falk had a really bad game. Again, some of it to do with the weather, wet footballs and whatnot. But UCLA's also just got a really good defense, too. I think we're we that kind of gets lost in the shuffle here a little bit. UCLA does have, for as bad as their offense can be, they have a pretty good defense. They have a pretty darn good defense. And for that matter, so does Washington State. Mike Fawful had... 40 attempts, 258 yards, just 6.4 yards per attempt. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. They held UCLA 
to 43 yards of rushing. Really, let's take the running backs here. We'll go to the, the quick math. 41 yards of rushing. Including Nate Starks, who ran the ball 10 times, only picked up 7 yards. The defense played really well again. Dylan Hanser with two strips. Interceptions from Charleston White and Shalom Luwani. The defense played well again. And WSU's kind of doing it with their defense now. We are at four, we are at halfway through the season. Six games through the season. And if I had told you, if I had told you prior to the year starting that WSU was going to be through six games and be four and two, you probably would have said, yeah, I'll take that. I know I would have. I would have absolutely been happy with four and two. Then if I told you they got there by losing the Eastern and Boise State, you never would have believed me. We all said before the season started, Oregon, Stanford, UCLA, there's where you're going to find out what this team really is. Those are the games where you're going to find out what this football team is. You are going to find out who the Washington State Cougars are against Oregon, Stanford, and UCLA. And it turns out they're pretty damn good. They're a pretty damn good football team. I don't know what it is about openers. (laughs) I don't know what it is about early in the season. But college football doesn't give you exhibition games to iron out the kinks. So, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. But... It is amazing how different I know it has to feel. How different I know everybody has to feel right now compared to a month ago. Compared to that week where after the loss to Boise State, Robert Barber is arrested and expelled and... DJ Faco's arrested, and Logan Tago's arrested, and Mike Leach goes on a screedo against the Poland police before Shalom Luwani's charges get dropped, and it's just... I remember how that felt a month ago. And to be here now, to be here, after four wins in a row, including three against Oregon, Stanford, and UCLA, (laughs) it is hard... To feel more different. Because now, again, before the season we talked about, after these first six games, you get into what is the easier part of your Pac-12 schedule. You're going to go on the road twice to play Arizona State and Oregon State, and then you're going to come home to Arizona and Cal. Thought Colorado would be an easier game. Turns out, not so much anymore. So take these next four right here. And to get bowl eligible, WSU needs to win two. And quite frankly, at this point, I don't know why we can't assume they should win all four. With the way they are playing and the teams they are playing, I don't know why why it would not be an expectation that they win all four of them. The, the Tempe bugaboo... 
the inability to win in Tempe. Haven't done it since 2001. And if I'm right, I did, I looked up last year. I, I think this is somewhere close to right. I'm not remembering it exactly. But it's not, it's not just a WSU thing. It's a Washington thing too. UW can't win in Tempe either. They couldn't win in Tucson before they beat the Wildcats this year. Since ASU joined the conference in 1972, Washington and Washington State have only won in Tempe something like nine times. And they've both been down there, you know, God, like 20-ish times. For whatever reason, it is hard for WSU to win in Tempe. And again, it's not like, you know, WSU doesn't go down there with good football teams and ASU is always really good. You know, it, it that That's not the case. But... I think there is at least the expectation over these next four weeks that you should win every football game. You're favored by a touchdown over ASU. You're going to go down to Corvallis, probably favored by 10 points. And then you're going to come home to face an Arizona team that is limping their way through the season. And you're going to face a Cal team that I don't know what the hell to make out of Cal. I don't even know Cal knows to make what out of Cal. And then those last two games of the season are looking a lot... Well, the, the Washington was always going to be tough, but the Colorado game is looking a lot tougher than it was going to be. Because it turns out Colorado is actually good. <laughs> There's no reason you can't go through these next four and win them all. Especially, Luke Falk struggled a lot in the rain and the wind. But especially this week when you're playing a team like Arizona State... That's 123rd in total defense in the NCAA. They average giving up 506 yards every game. Passing or scoring defense. They are 106th in the NCAA. They give up 34 points a game. And in passing yards allowed per game. Per game. They gave up 384 yards. That is dead last in the NCAA by 54 yards. Half a freaking football field. Rice is the next closest at 127th at 330. How can Luke Falk's eyes not just be wide open this week? I don't know what the over-under is. Over. Take it. There is just no excuse. Perfect weather conditions. Low 90s. Nice and toasty. A good day to throw the football around a lot. And it feels like they should win this football game. And again, that is a weird place to come from after the first two games of this season. I didn't even feel that great after the Idaho win. I legitimately did not. I did not feel awesome. Because it's Idaho. You should do that to Idaho. They should be able to feast offensively this week. They should be able to absolutely feast offensively. All ASU does is blitz, 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 blitz. It's all they do. It's all they still do. They just blitz the crap out of other teams. Because it's apparently it's the only thing they can do to even think about stopping anybody. 
They cannot stop a soul throwing the football. And I, I just, they're 21st in rushing yards per game. 21st, that, that is the one thing they do really well is they stop the rush. Washington State's 12th, by the way, in that category. There is no reason you shouldn't be able to score a lot of points and throw for a lot of yards this week, especially after this last week against UCLA. You're going to go from pretty much the worst conditions you can play in in the air raid, wet and windy, to idyllic. Absolutely idyllic. How much better does it get this week for you? It's hard to find a better situation. It, it is legitimately difficult to do that. And it gets an ASU team that's playing out over their skis a little bit. They are, they are playing out over their skis a bit. Five and two record, two and two in conference play. Beat NAU, Texas Tech, UTSA, Cal won four straight to start the season, then lost to USC, beat UCLA by three, and got pounded by Colorado last week. The opportunity exists here to get to five wins and be one away from ball eligibility after you drop your first two of the year to Eastern and Boise State. But you got to shake that Tempe bugaboo. Whatever it is, I have no idea. But it'd be really fun if they did. <laughs> it'd be a lot of fun. We'll talk to Brad Denny next from the Speak of the Devils podcast. Uh, our annual podcast swap. I'm on his podcast. He's on my podcast. This is the last time we're going to get to do it for like two years. The issue goes off the schedule next year for two years. It's a tragedy, man. It's a tragedy. He's coming up next on the Center Hour podcast. Uh, after a win last week against UCLA, we're going to play an opponent this week that WCO has something in similar or uh, in common with. We both made Jim Mora very angry two weeks in a row. Uh, and the person to tell us about the Arizona State Sun Devils is Mr. Brad Denny from the Speak of the Devils podcast. Uh, Brad, first of all, uh, I always look forward to our annual podcast swap. Uh, second of all, where is the command center? In Sun Devil Stadium, is it under the stands? Is it on top of the press box? Where is the sign ceiling command center so I know where to send a signal jammer on Saturday? Well, uh, despite it being uh, G4 classified, uh, we were able to confirm that they've now made it a mobile unit. So, I mean, that, that, that crafty uh, telegram's got it moving it ever so quickly. So, you know, it'll be harder for uh, Coach Leach to track that down. Where did you, where, did you move it onto Mill Avenue? Is that where it's sitting now? So, like, you just walk and buy it, and it just looks like a party van, and, like, uh, nobody <laughs> nobody thinks it's it's the sign ceiling center. Is that what it is? Oh, oh I, I, I guess you got the memo, yeah. I mean, we <laughs> changed the code now. You guys, so. 
You got to keep this classified information more secure down there in Tempe, man. I'm just, I'm just, you know, you guys, you guys aren't doing a very good job. Uh, five and two uh, so far this year, Brad. Uh, fourth in the Pac-12 South. Both their losses have come in conference play. Uh, how, how, what's the feeling like around Arizona State right now? Obviously, a win here uh, this weekend gets them bowl eligible. But uh, at five and two, uh, how do things feel in Tempe right now? It's a little, little weird. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. I kind of fit the overall theme of, of the Pac-12 this year. But uh, you know, after the the big loss to Colorado, a lot of folks are are and fans are feeling like this or treating this team almost like it's two and five rather than five and two. Um, c- coming into the year, a lot of folks looked at this team as kind of their 2016 is kind of a rebuilding year a lot of uh, changes in a lot of key areas mostly new offensive line new quarterback rebuilt secondary um but when this team got off to that 4-0 start a lot of folks kind of uh, ramped up their expectations and all of a sudden uh you're seeing some big things a year early uh even before the colorado game uh usa today's bowl projections had asu going to the rose bowl of all places Mm -hmm. so that just kind of added fuel to that fire um, so after that, after last week, you know, this, this fan base is a little, a little, little rattled, uh, although there's still a lot of good things this team has done, injuries and experience and some uh, perpetual trouble spots uh, on this roster have yeah. uh, crept up and uh, with a very tough uh, schedule to finish out the year. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty around Sun Devil Nation right now. There's, you mentioned the injury bug, Brad. I mean, it, it, it bites this team pretty hard, it seems, um, multiple years. But it really seems to have done a number on it this year, especially the quarterbacks. Backup Brady White out for the year. Manny Wilkins coming back, and he's not wasn't 100% last week against Colorado. Cornerback uh, issues, offensive line injuries, and it's just it, it doesn't seem like there are enough medics in Tempe to take care of the issues Arizona State's having uh, in terms of injuries right now. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it's certainly uh, one of the, the major causes for concern right now. Is you know, as you mentioned, quarterback first and foremost. Uh, going back to, into the spring, there was a three-man quarterback race. Uh, unfortunately, Bryce Perkins uh, injured his neck in, in camp. He's out for the year. Uh, Manny Wilkins got dinged up uh, a few weeks ago. Brady White stepped in against UCLA. Was uh, off to a fairly decent start, but then he broke his foot. He's out for the year. Manny Wilkins came back last week and was nowhere near 100%. Uh, and, and so uh, he finished, he gutted out that game despite taking a number of big hits. Um, he should be uh, the guy this week for the Sun Devils. Uh, mm-hmm. Behind him right now is uh, true freshman Dylan Sterling Cole, a guy that a lot of us thought might see some considerable time against Colorado, um, but he only saw a couple snaps at the end of the game. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, uh, you know, elsewhere there's some injuries. ASU's been out without their best linebacker. Christian Sam for most of the year. He got injured in the opener against NAU. Uh, ASU's top cover corner, Kareem Orr, uh, dealing with an injury as well. He played last week uh, well below, by his estimation. He was 60% mm-hmm. uh, in practice today. He was, still had a kind of a hitch in his giddy-up, so I, I expect him to play, but uh, you know that secondary has is, is, been banged up a little bit and ineffective in large spots, so uh, you know there's a, there's a lot to deal with <laughs> for the Sun Devils on the injury front that are compounding some uh, other issues. Uh, Arizona State still has a lot of talented uh, weapons offensively, though, Brad. Uh, you have Demario Richard, Kalen Balazs, uh had a really good game last year in Pullman. Uh, Tim White, Jalen Harvey, uh, a lot of really good weapons offensively still, though, for ASU. Despite some injuries elsewhere, this is still a team that can put up some points uh, on you if you're not careful and you're not really paying attention to their to their speedsters, right? Uh, in theory, yeah. Um, I mean, they, they did so in the first month of the season, but 
Um, one thing that's really kind of ground this offense to a halt, and, and last week against Colorado was really the worst uh, offensive performance, at least yardage-wise, of the Ty Graham era is because ASU has had so many struggles on that offensive line. Uh, they return only one starter, left tackle Evan Goodman, four new guys uh, on, the, on the other spots. Um, they had some success. They're showing some promise and, and some signs of gelling cohesion. But the last three weeks, they've really struggled mightily. Uh, and, and the running game, which is the foundation of uh, offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey's offense, has really sputtered. Uh, mm-hmm. Mario Richard and Kalen Bellage, as you mentioned, very dangerous weapons, guys who have proven that they can be top-notch threats in the Pac-12, have really been ineffect- largely ineffective over the last three weeks because of the offensive line. They're, the line's been getting uh, beat at the point of attack and pushed back consistently, uh, also allowing a lot of pressures on, on the quarterbacks. Uh, uh, very, uh, Manny Wilkins last week against Colorado took a number of devastating hits with his uh, with his ankle injury. He, has, he was not the mobile threat that he was, um, so it just really kind of ground the offense to a whole uh, to a halt. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, they have some weapons on the outside. Tim White's a very elusive guy. They like to get him a number of targets. He's at double or double digit targets. I think in pretty much every game this season, at uh, eighteen or twenty a couple weeks ago. I mean, that's a guy that they're gonna no matter who's playing quarterback for the Sun Devils is really gonna look to get the ball to a lot. Uh, true freshman wide receiver Nikhil Harry has kind of hit a bit of a freshman wall, uh, but he's six foot four, two twenty, with some great speed. He's a guy that many think could be uh, a big time playmaker and kind of a Jalen Strong type mold. Uh, he's shown some flashes so far this year. Uh, they like to use him in all kinds of ways. Jalen Harvey is another guy to look out for who can stretch the field a little bit. A very physical presence on that outside, but mm-hmm. it all just starts with that offensive line. And if they continue to play like they have over the last three weeks. Doesn't really matter what the playmakers ASU has. Uh, Fundable offense won't go anywhere. Let's talk about a little bit about the defense, uh, Brad. I, I I went over this in the open. Uh, the numbers outside of basically the rushing defense are not good. Uh, ASU is dead last in the NCAA by a long way in terms of passing yards allowed per game. Uh, that has got to be a concern this weekend. I I know Luke Falk didn't play well last week in a driving rainstorm and wind in Pullman, but 93 degrees and sunshine and really ideal conditions for throwing the football around. What is ASU going to do to try and stop this? We saw last year they blitzed constantly, uh, constantly blitzing. Is that still what they're doing to try to kind of mask any issues they have in coverage or, or is something different this year with ASU's defense? Yeah, there's a couple things different, and as you mentioned, you know, I mean, if, if ASU is stealing signs, they're not doing a very good job of it because they're just near to the, the bottom of the nation in a number of key defensive categories. Their past rank is kind of a product of facing a couple air raid defenses earlier in the year, mm-hmm. um, but overall, I mean, but you just look at the, going back to last the beginning of last season, ASU surrendered the most 40-plus yard passing plays in the nation by a wide margin, and that's something that's not gotten any better this year. Uh, they've had a, a couple of new guys in that secondary, uh, and a couple guys coming back off of injury after missing last season. There's a lot of new faces back there, but uh, it doesn't really matter who's uh, had the reps this year so far. Uh, they've struggled. Even the, uh, the top uh, cover guy in Kareem War has had flashes uh, of playing as a, as a top lockdown guy. And a number of times they've had him follow the opposition's number one receiver, but he's also had some big-time struggles as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Defensive coordinator Keith Patterson has actually taken over the defensive play calling from Todd Graham this year. Uh, and uh, Unfortunately, the results haven't been there outside of really the UCLA game, which was the first time that he went from the sideline to the booth, and so there was a lot of thought that maybe this could be the turning of the page. But then, of course, their performance against Colorado 
kind of uh, did away with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing, one noticeable uh, change in how ASU operates their defense this year under Patterson is is not blitzing so much, and that's kind of led to um, them playing a little bit more passive, trying to uh, operate with a four-man pass rush. That, and interestingly enough, especially in the Texas Tech and Cal games, when they've done that more passive approach, that's when the opposition has been able to move the ball down the field, mm-hmm. put some points on the board. But at, uh, in the second half, Patterson dialed up the pressure, and that's when they were able to force uh, Mahomes and, and Davis Webb into some more turnovers, bringing that pressure. They did had great success doing that against UCLA, knocking Rosen out of the game twice. So I expect that uh, you know they're going to have to live with something that Todd Graham has brought to this team since he arrived in 2012, that this is the defense that's going to live and die by the blitz. Uh, they've gotten away from that at times, and the results haven't been there. So I, I think that if they're going to have any kind of success, they need to bring the pressure, bring the house, and hope for the best. So given all these injuries, uh, Brad, I mean, on both sides of the football, what do you think ASU's game plan is offensively and defensively against WSU? I mean, WSU is doing a good job stopping the run so far this year. Not quite as good against the pass, uh, kind of the same as last year. And offensively, obviously, it's, uh, you know, primarily they're going to throw the football, but they've discovered their running uh, game a little bit. ASU is very good against the run. Uh, what, what do you think the game plan is here for the Sun Devils on both sides of the ball both sides of the ball, I should say. It's not a one-sided, one-dimensional object. God, Michael. Um, when the Cougs take the field in, in Tempe on Saturday. Well, uh, start off offensively, uh, you know, it's going to start with that offensive line. I mean, the, 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 the pieces they have on that line are very talented. A lot of guys who have, who have the, the talent and the, and the ability, but just for, uh, for one reason or another, I have not really gelled in, in performing well below um, their talent level and the expectations. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how good uh, Manny Wilkins' left ankle is because if he is able to be the mobile guy, um, a guy that was able to put up a lot of yards and add an exciting element uh, to the Sun Devil offense, then the, that gives ASU – that opens up a lot of, of, of uh, options for them. But last week he was – he wasn't – there was not even a single design run um, called for Wilkins, and that really mm-hmm. allowed – load the box in the last few weeks USC, UCLA and Colorado have loaded the box to, sh- to, and to shut down uh, Belage and Richard which they, each of them run successfully so if ASU can't establish the run uh, and if Manny Wilkins can't move, is not able to get out there, get out in space and make some plays where he's had uh, some success this year and get the ball out to Tim White Nikhil Harry and Jalen Harvey on the perimeter I think it could be a very long night for, for uh, ASU uh, you know, it's going to be incumbent on Chip Lindsay to kind of uh, improve his performance in the play calling department because he's uh, had some curious play calls uh, going away from team strengths and just trying to think, you know, maybe being overly creative or trying to get too clever at times. It just needs to, ASU needs to establish the run first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And if they can't, then it's going to, it's not going to bode well. On the defensive side of the ball, I talked to a couple of the guys uh, on the, that uh, ASU's defense earlier today. They all said that it's good. They have to improve their tackling uh, first mm-hmm. and foremost because a lot of stuff the Cougs run, they're, they're ASU having faced two air raid teams early in the year. It's kind of give them a little bit of a, a preparation, of course, just the ongoing familiarity with Washington State. But ASU's had horrible tackling issues. Uh, against Colorado, they missed over 20 tackles Oof. they should have made. Uh, yeah, it was, it's been pretty dreadful. A lot of guys just going for, for trying to strip the ball or throwing a shoulder. Very uh, little fundamental wrap-up type stuff. So that's been a big focus mm-hmm. uh, in practice and it's going to be throughout the week. So it's just going to be, you know, trying to bring some pressure up front, be creative with their, their blitz schemes, but also just keep guys in front. 
because, as I mentioned, ACU gives up the big play more than any other team in the FBS. And mm-hmm. if that's something that they continue to do and miss those tackles, continue to take bad angles and just play poor fundamental defense, it's going to be uh, really dreadful for the Sun Devils. So they just have to, on both sides of the ball, get back to base. WSU opened uh, in Vegas at minus seven, uh, Brad, uh, favored on the road uh, here against ASU, which, you know, I, I, I know that, you know, that, that's a big line for a Washington State team, especially in a place like Tempe where I don't know what y'all put in the water down there, but Washington and Washington State cannot win football games uh, down there for whatever reason. Uh, WSU won last year by a couple of touchdowns. Uh, give me, if you had to pick here, kind of early in the week, but give me, if you had to pick here early in the week, what? Uh, give me a final score, what you think will happen on Saturday. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, so ASU, one thing that has really emerged over the last couple of years is, is, like, they are a very poor road team, but a very strong uh, home team, and, and players really attribute that to the, to the energy of the crowd and kind of just the friendly confines. Um, it's going to be incumbent. If ASU gets off to a fast start, I think they could, they could, stick around in this game, but if they are in, unable to uh, really get going offensively, I think it could um, really compound some, some ongoing issues. So I'd say right now I'm probably looking at like a 41-24 uh, Coop victory. From one man's team who's dealt with douchey Jim Mora players to another, uh, all the best of luck on Saturday. And th- So we're off the schedule now for two years after that, so you're not going to make an appearance on this show until 2019 again. Uh, do you have enough Kleenex available to dry your tears from that? It's it's going to be tough because, uh, as you know, you know the Cougs were my pick preseason to win the Pac-12. So yep. you know it's going to you know I'll be following from afar. But uh, yes, it'll be uh, it'll it'll be tough. But uh, you know, uh, Coach Leach certainly keeps things interesting up there. So I'll definitely <laughs> be paying attention. Keep it in mind, everyone. Brad Denny picked Wazoo to win the Pac-12, and even after those first two games, it's still a possibility, by the way, that they could actually do that. So. Brad could still technically be right uh, when we get to uh, the be the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Brad, thank you very much, sir. We're looking forward to playing you this weekend. Anytime, thank you. show we thank him for coming on uh, do a little preview of a sounds like a very hobbled uh sun devils team that's a be a big problem for asu this weekend i want to talk a little bit about so this is important to wsu football um obviously uh robert barber's expulsion has been changed to a suspension per some really great reporting here from stephanie lowe at the new york or at the new york times at the Seattle Times, at Stephanie Lowe at the Seattle Times, uh, wrote an article today that uh, Barber was informed of that earlier this week. Uh, his suspension would run through July of 2017, but he's appealing and has 10 days to do that, which means he can play against ASU this weekend. Now, 
he still has not been charged officially with a crime. Okay? He hasn't been charged officially with anything from that party, uh, from that alleged assault at a party uh, over the summer. But it, 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 uh, where I'm trying to get to this in a very odd way is he's the only one of four players who that were involved in any type of incident over the summer before the season started that faced expulsion from school. A red shirt senior close to finishing his degree was going to be expelled from school. He was not the only person involved in that fight. The same way Shalom Luwani was not the only person involved in that altercation outside of Domino's. The same way that Logan Tago was not the only person involved. Now, if the allegations that Barber is facing are true and happened, that is bad. And I am not here to make light of that type of situation. What I am here to talk about is being overzealous in punishment. I understand the student conduct boards, student conduct boards, level of evidence needed their their threshold is just is just the preponderance of evidence it is just that they need to say that this probably happened not like a prosecutor that it is beyond a shadow of a doubt i understand that but that was incredibly overzealous extraordinarily overzealous on their part to not only expel him but to make him the only person being punished by the student conduct board and to expel a red shirt senior who is close to earning the one thing he gets out of his time at WSU. Maybe he goes on to the NFL, but he gets a degree. That's the whole point of all of this, right? Of being a student athlete is that as compensation for your playing on the football field, we give you a free degree. A semester away from it, and you want to expel him and make him the only person punished. It reeks of overzealousness, and it reeks of trying to send some sort of message that I what do you what message is that trying to send? What message is this when he's the only person punished? I'm not excusing his actions if he did that. It's awful. Assaulting someone that severely is bad. I that is I'm on the right side of this issue when I say that. But only taking it out on one student. One. That is bad. That is extraordinarily bad. Awful. And they may not have 
a preponderance of evidence for anybody else involved in any of these cases. And if that is the case, then what does that say about what Pullman police are doing in these in these investigations? If they think they have enough evidence to charge Logan Tago, to, tar- to charge TJ Faco, to charge Shalom Luwani, why is the school not doing anything about it? This is, this is two-sided here. Pullman police think they have enough evidence to charge these three other these three other football players, but the school doesn't think they have enough evidence to expel them. Or they're willingly ignoring it and making an example out of Barber. Nothing here looks good. None of it. This has got me very worked up. Obviously. How is he the only one that faces any kind of punishment from the university. I do not in the least bit understand it. Unless you have some people on this conduct board looking to take it out on the football team. I understand the behavior was inappropriate if it is true. I understand the behavior was abhorrent. I understand the behavior did not give the university a good look. I said as much on this very podcast over a month ago that it is not a good look when this happens. It is terrible when this happens. But you do not take it out on one student. One. You do not take it out on him. That is inappropriate. And I understand I may not have all the facts available. They may never give them publicly. So I am working with what I am given here. And what it looks like is that you were overzealous and acted inappropriately. When the police department thinks they have enough evidence to charge four people with assault in separate cases and only one person faces expulsion. Somebody's wrong here. It's either the police department or the student conduct board. Which is it? I'm not saying they need to go around expelling all these football players. But you can't just expel one of them. When they are all facing felony charges. All of them. Now, Barber and Faco haven't been formally charged and neither is Tago. That'll be up to the prosecutor's office to do. I'm sorry, Tago has been. That's why he's suspended. So why isn't Logan Tago expelled from school? Is it because the Student Conduct Board knows something we don't and that the evidence Pullman Police has isn't exactly that great against him? Why isn't TJ Faco expelled from school? Why wasn't Shalom Luwani have some action taken against him? It reeks of overzealousness and grossly inappropriate behavior. I understand the point of the Student Conduct Board to keep students honest. And if I agree, academic integrity and personal integrity are important parts 
of representing your school, regardless of whether you're a football player or a student there. But what about everybody else involved in these incidents? What about the five men who reportedly beat the crap out of Shalom Luwani or were punching him outside of that Domino's? What about them? Any, 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 anybody want to take action there? No? No one? There were other people charged in that fight or had charges recommended against them. Any, anything there? No? Okay. At least now I know where you stand on that one. Hypocritical. Overzealous. And completely inappropriate. Barber's appealing that suspension and hoping to get it moved to the spring, and I hope he does. And again, I am not condoning in any way what he is accused of doing. I do not care for that kind of behavior. Nobody should. But good God. Everything about this situation just smells bad. Everything. Everything about it. Dunderhead of the Week. Ask Michael Lennon. Coming up next. I'll be calm by on the Hoops Thanks to Mr. Brad Denny again for joining us here on the Kook Center Hour. I can't, I still can't believe it's our final swap for years. That's stinky. Dunderhead of the week time. Uh, I, I could have gone with a couple of people who were riding on the plane with us uh, home from Vegas late Monday. Uh, two women who basically gave us the play-by-play of an entire bachelorette party weekend, which I might need to see a therapist about. Uh, but I'm going to... This is... Uh, Mr. Jason Puckett uh, is on with Ian Furness on KJR here uh, in Seattle from noon to 3. And uh, as most radio stations do, sports radio stations especially, they have a text line you can send in text so they can read texts on the air. Uh, They apparently got one today because if WSU continues to win and UW does, it sets up a rather important uh, Apple Cup, probably the most important one a lot of people have seen in decades. From the text line, Mr. Puckett, Jason sends a tweet out with this. If UW wins out until the Apple Cup, would you feel bad or not if WSU ruins the playoff run for UW? (laughs) Are you new here? Whoever that person is that sent that? It's not Jason, to be clear. He was... 
tweeting something they got sent on their text line. <laughs> there is nothing in my life previous to today, after today, that would make me happier than that. <laughs> that would make me happier than WSU winning the Apple Cup and knocking UW out of the college football playoff. I'm planning on having kids one day. <laughs> I'm planning on watching them go to college. I'm, they, they want to have grandkids. That could happen to me in like 50 years. Nothing, literally nothing would make me happier than that. None of that. None of it could live up to that. None of it could live up to that if that happened. Where, are this, where is this segment of Husky fan that that thinks the, the reciprocate... Like last year when we were rooting for Oregon when they played UW and they, they thought they would get reciprocating rooting because they were rooting for WSU and they some people apparently do when WSU is not playing them. Why would we feel bad? Why would I feel... You are my rival! Why would I feel bad about that? I would be gleeful. I would run nude through the streets of Pullman. <laughs> God. Oh. Jason's going to be very smart to not give out that person's name. <laughs> oh my God. situation was reversed why in god's name would i ever expect you dub fans to be sad about that oh my god Woo. ask michael anything Mr. Tommy G, man, if you could ask Ken Bone, Town Hall Debate version, one question, what would it be? Did you think about deleting your internet history before becoming famous? <laughs> that poor guy. I mean, you know, I, I feel kind of bad for him. He didn't ask to be that famous. He sort of a debate, wanted to ask a question, got famous, tried to cash in a little bit, and everybody found his internet history. That kind of sucks. With the highlight reel catches, Craycraft is pulling down. Does that you have a chance at making, or excuse me, with the highlight reel catches, Craycraft is pulling down. Does he have a chance at making an NFL roster? That from A. Damn Davis. I've been saying Adam N. Davis. He corrected me. Thank you, sir. Uh, I, I, a chance, you know. I. It's always important in the NFL to catch passes, right? And that's always what they're looking for. So he's got a chance, right? I, he's got to have at least a small one, if nothing else, a practice squad. I don't think he'll get drafted per se, but. He's got to have a shot, right? That's what they value in the NFL, catching passes. So, he'll have a chance. At Brett underscore Gleason. Brett Gleason crushed, cubed, or pellet ice? Pellet ice if I'm at taco time. Cubed every other time. I like cubed ice better. I don't like crushed ice. I think it melts too quickly. I don't like uneven on my ice cubes. So, I go with cubed. Pellet ice if I'm at taco time, though. That always important. Uh, one from RD on Twitter. What's up with Harrington? I think he's hurt, right? Still hurt? 
still dealing with a little injury. I know it's it's definitely not because he's not he's not athletic enough to get on the field. We all know that. We saw that uh, last year. He's obviously very very athletic. He had a bit of a problem holding on to the football, but it it it, it is definitely that. He just he's having a hard time. He's dealing with an injury. Uh, at Sean Coog 86 Sean, if you had to send one of your producers on a rocket ship mission to space, which one would you send and why? My producers are my cats, if you don't know. My two cats, Uller and Freya. Uh, they are brother and sister. We've had them for over a year, and we adore them more than anybody should adore cats. Uh, Uller. He annoys... I, I get home from work normally at about 2 a.m., close to that time in the morning. Uh, and, and he sees fit to keep me awake until about 4 some nights. Not really pleasant when you want to get up by 10.15 every day, so you don't feel like a lump on a log. At... Marcalzo, I can't even, I can't, I can't even read the at name. My eyes are just awful after this weekend. Uh, Mark on Twitter, best non-Pullman WSU campus. If we're limiting it to Pac-12, uh, I would go with Colorado Boulder. It's just it's, Colorado's so gorgeous. Colorado's a really pretty, and I actually like uh, Salt Lake City. I think it's really pretty too. In the winter, it's really pretty. Uh, UCLA is not bad in Westwood. I went there once. Pretty nice. Stanford's also really gorgeous. Uh, Cali gets some gorgeous views from Strawberry uh, Canyon, but I, I would I would probably go with Colorado for overall. If we're going non WSU campus, I did uh, one time when we were in Boston. I uh, went to Harvard, and that was really gorgeous. Also toured Northeastern, almost went there. Urban campus kind of got a cool feel to it. Not as pretty. They got a pizza shop right off campus, so that's really bomb. So they get some points for that. Washington State forty five, Arizona State thirty one. The curse in Tempe lifted after a decade and a half. We'll talk to you next week on the Cook Center app.